0: To another book on the shelf podcast. Podcast. I'm so distracted by the podcast already. Uh, I'm Jet. And I'm Jen. Uh, and this is episode 82. Whoa. Uh, and we have another author interview for you today. Who are, who are we speaking with today, Jen? So,
1: yes, today we are talking with Brenda Hickey and Troy Little of Pegamoose Press. They are both comic book artists and owner of um, of this press. Uh, so yeah. Um why don't you guys get us started in telling us a little bit sure. about yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. You can go ahead. Troy.
2: Me first.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm so bad for that. You go first, Troy.
3: <laughs> uh Married <during> Life.
2: <laughs> uh, well yeah, Brenda and I are both comic book writers and artists in Prince Edward Island. Uh we've been doing this well our whole lives, so Brenda specifically is, is a hardcore comic creator since <laughs> the early days. Um, Third grade, to yeah. Be precise. <laughs> I was I was originally wanting to be an animator, and I did work in animation for a number of years, but uh, ended up. Funny, I wanted to just be able to a means to telling my own stories, and uh, you know, comic books seem to be like a good vehicle for that because it could satisfy my need to write and draw all in one and create my own characters and my own world or universe. So, I got into self-publishing back in the early 2000s, um, went from self-publishing to working on different licensed projects, writing and drawing for Powerpuff Girls, adapting Hunter Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, recently working on things like Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons, many, many other books, as well as my own creator-owned books and Gore Napkin, which got an animated pilot for me on Teletoon one time. Um, working on more projects all the time in my spare time whenever we can find time. So, and Brenda,
3: yeah, like uh, like I said, my comics journey started very young. <laughs> Back in the day, my sisters and I we would make stories together, and they did a lot of prose and chapter books. And I liked to draw pictures with it, and I loved the stories, but I couldn't connect with just writing novels the way. It, like no pictures so when I discovered comics then I was I was in love I'm like I can tell stories with pictures this is perfect for me and I've never quit (laughs) and um yeah um I got into self publishing out of out of um college after I graduated college and worked briefly in animation when there was a little studio here in Charlottetown and did some background layout design and that's where I met Troy so we just kind of (laughs) Found similar interests in comics and self-publishing and yeah, I kind of got in the industry around the same time with your Powerpuff Girls and I got on My Little Pony and, um, we kept up with our own creator own stuff on the sides and you got your Angora Napkin. I got Halls of the Turnip King, which are two books through our Pegamoose press imprint at the moment. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to continue on with that as well as, you know, keeping up a licensed job here and there, like, um, I did My Little Pony for many years, and now I'm doing Aggretsuko, which is a Netflix property that they've got a comics license through Oni Press, and I'm doing oh. writing and drawing for that. So this is kind of my first venture into putting my, publishing my stuff through traditional means through a publisher. Mm-hmm. So writing, writing that, because the ponies I just drew. So it's really, really exciting to be on a project <laughs> that you kind of have creative control over both the story and visually. So super
0: excited that's amazing um and kind of just jumping right into that license stuff how did you how did both of you end up especially just because you know uh things like rick and morty um my little pony like those are very well-known things like you know yeah people kind of who don't really know much have still at least sort of like seen them in the ether how did how did all that come about
2: Mm-hmm. I guess I was working as a storyboard artist at the time, and I was absolutely miserable working on Paw Patrol. <laughs> uh, many, many parents can. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. <laughs> I quit at season one, though, so I've not. A, I don't they no, can't hold you responsible yeah. for that. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't very happy at that point working in animation anymore, and was really ready to to take a jump. So I contacted. Uh, IDW Publishing, which had been publishing some of my creator own work with the early Angora Napkin books, and Kira Skira, which was my first book. And uh, I just said, do you guys have anything that I could do? And I, I kind of like drawing in the cartoony vein of things. They're more known for Transformers and G.I. Joe and that sort of properties, which usually, it's not really in my wheelhouse to draw that style, but I lucked out and just happened to be, they had gotten a license for Cartoon Network, and we're kind of debating, who do we get? to draw this new relaunch of the powerpuff girls they'd been off the air for about 10 years at that point and so i just right time right place and good luck was the the guy to volunteer for that position as the artist and then said can i write it can i draw it can i color it can i letter it can i do everything you know <laughs> that just controlling need to want to do it all i guess
3: <laughs> when you're from creator owned indie you're used to <laughs> yeah wearing all the hats
2: <laughs> and it just spiraled from there i got that job and very quickly after that uh brenda made the connection with one of the editors and got the my little pony job with the pitch she put out there mm-hmm.
3: yeah because the my little pony show i been on a few years and the comics started coming out in twenty twenty twelve, 2012 and it was around the end of that year beginning of 2013 we were we were kind of both in the same boat. I had just come off a graphic design job that was not a good experience also. And um, I just kind of knew even if I had a, a good office and I liked the people I worked with in graphic design, it's just not my calling. I mean, I've known since third grade I want to make these comic books. So let's let's make some money while doing it. So, yeah, you, you got the you were talking to the editor from IDW because you had the connection and I was keeping my eye on My Little Pony because I saw the comics were coming out and that super appealed to me because I was like, I grew up loving Disney and, and anime, especially with like the magical girl stuff. So My Little Pony just seemed like magical girl anime, but as ponies. And so I was like, this is this is something I could do. So I was like, hey, Troy, while you're talking to that editor, if you don't mind just kind of mentioning I'm, I'm developing a pitch for this book. And so you gave the editor the heads up, and I gave him a pitch of a bunch of character sheets and some sample comic pages and a background of who I was, and the rest is history. Yeah, so, you've doing
2: that for a lot of years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: Ponies is incredible, like, that it, the comic book series ran as long as it did, because not often do comic book series run as long, because it was almost 10 years, I think. Oh, it me. got to issue 100 and, 102 and had a whole bunch of side series that came, spun out of it, so... Yeah, it was really, really huge. It was outselling titles like DC and Marvel and stuff at that point.
1: That's so awesome. (laughs) You're like,
3: oh, (laughs) ponies. They all make fun of us, but guess what? We're on top. (laughs) So, yeah, so that was good. And then, of course, you get to know editors and editors jump from one company to another. So... The editor at Oni Press, who was doing the Agretzko title, I knew her from meeting her previously, and she had worked at IDW. So again, the connection was there. And again, the whole anime connection, I was like, Oh, I'd like that job. <laughs> so when I pitched to her, and she, she knew who I was and knew what I was capable of. So she gave me the job and said, Do you want to write it too? And that was scary. But I was really excited. I was like, Oh, I've, I've always wanted to write my own stories. But I'm scared. I haven't really put myself out there that way yet. But Super glad I did the scary thing and did the writing for it. It's paid off a lot. Yeah, that's been great. Yeah, <laughs> no.
2: Once once you're kind of a little bit, you're foot in the door, and that people mm-hmm. kind of know we are, you're able to deliver quality and on a deadline, which is a big part of the comics being yeah. a monthly turnaround in a lot of cases. And then you're gold. Like they love you; they'll come back to you again and again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
1: Awesome. That's amazing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your your press, Pegamoose Press?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think um we were just we had some ideas. Well we we've, we've been together for about ten years now. <laughs> yeah, and just about. Yeah. We have been always been working on comics in our spare time and uh, we had these ongoing things that kinda got put to the background while we had to do the license jobs and pay the bills. And so the the personal projects became this five, six, seven year thing that we just had hanging over us like sort of Damocles. are we ever gonna finish these things? Mm-hmm. And we started seeing some success online, different people using crowdfunding and Kickstarters and stuff to start funding their own um, comic books and and printing beautiful editions, hardcover editions of books and things. And we thought, well, it's kind of what we would want to do with our thing is have that control over it, as well as put out like a really beautiful edition, um, kind of representing the care we put into the work is to putting it into the actual physical object as well. Yeah. So we took a chance with Brenda. Finished first, so she got *Terra <laughs> Kings*, our launching book, and
0: which is uh, beautiful. Actually, I have uh, Mike's copy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we have mutual friends. Uh, um, so yeah, and it is. It is. It's just like, as you said, like the physical book is stunning. It's oh, beautiful. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, it's it's so much fun to, and really gratifying to see that you know mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere basically and doing your own indie book. Was it was a success for book one, and mm. so we we're like, all right, well then I better finish my book and, and get that out there. So we hit two for two. <laughs> yes,
3: yeah, yeah. And We wanted to do it together too because we're like we're pretty unusual in the comics industry that we're a married couple that both do comics. Because oftentimes one person will do comics and the other will have a real job to support the, the <laughs> art. There is one
2: crazy person <laughs> usually. So I'm
3: like, well, we're kind of unusual that we're kind of both doing this. So. If we pool together and like pool our resources and you, you, we tag team out of this thing under the same umbrella of Pegamoose Press, then it's like we can get more books out under that name than if any of us were trying to do it alone. So it would be silly to do it alone. We're we're in the same house, we do the same thing. Let's make sense to do it together. So, yeah, yeah. it's
2: been a good working thing. I mean, we've got three kids and we managed to, like, if somebody's working that the deadline comics and the other one's looking after the kids and keeping the house from falling down. And then we tag <laughs> out the other one takes over, makes the bank and mm-hmm. <laughs> the other one's doing their own project in their spare time. So we found a good balance of, of making it work. Yeah. And then we found too, like we had an idea we could actually work on it together. And yes. that's going to be one of our next books coming out in spring called the butterfly house.
3: Yeah. Our first collaboration comic
0: book. Yeah. So, oh yeah. We were, we were going to ask about it. We yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah that was a, it was just an idea we had. We'd be, we, thanks to like a lot of this licensed projects we've gotten to work on, uh, comic conventions have started inviting us to different shows. So like my little pony fame took us to Germany and, and poland and other places and
3: thanks thanks ponies so we, have- <laughs> we love you
2: <laughs> so we'll be just flying around airplanes going like coming up with ideas and mm-hmm. and we had this one idea like for a haunted house story and how can we kind of collaborate on that we mm-hmm. we co-wrote it and then we co-illustrated it like half and half and were you drawing on each other's pages even and stuff to make this weird little story. yeah yeah
3: playing with the haunted house thing but also two different periods in time so that would explain the two art styles as one takes place in the past and one in the present so we kind of did that and where they overlap where the time overlaps we can draw on each other's pages to show flashbacks or flash forwards and stuff so
2: yeah it's kind of really mesh the the collaboration Mm -hmm. instead of it just being a writer artist it's it's writers it's artists all smashed together (laughs) on the page yeah
3: (laughs) but it was super fun we just got a bunch of um little note cards and a glass of wine and after all our talks said, like, let's write little notes down and arrange them where we want the beats of the story to go. And so we've never really worked like that before to be so organic. So it was really fun to just be a little bit looser as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was nice kind of breaking out of the having to work in a style that, Mm -hmm. you know, is dictated by, you know, whatever property you're working on, you have to make Rick and Morty look like Rick and Morty or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So kind of getting to do something and say, all right, we only, we only have like 30 pages each or something to make a 60 page book out of this. Let's, let's do something different. And we were Mm -hmm. working with watercolors and washes and Mm -hmm. ink and splatters and just having a lot more fun with it in that way, like a lot more freedom. So Mm. yeah, we're looking forward to finishing that book early in the new year so we can get it out in the spring.
0: Yeah, it sounds amazing. Really
1: amazing. <laughs> and I love the visual medium for that, the way you can use the different art styles to differentiate something like time periods. Like that's, I just, that's so, that's so fun. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and being able to have the control over the writing, it's a bit of that, mm-hmm. the thing I love about being able to do both is you can really make a conscious effort over what you show and what you tell.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, sometimes when you're, you're adapting a script or something, you're, you're told what to draw and you have so much say over you know exposition or anything like that but there's places where you think okay this would be better if i just showed it in in six panels or something than have you write it down you know (laughs) and explain it in expository dialogue so it's it's fun to be able to kind of play with the medium that way
3: Mm
1: -hmm. right yeah so i mean you're kind of actually answering questions that (laughs) <laughs> that we were gonna ask about like a sort of just about writing style and sort of like how you're putting a story together because i i don't really i mean i have some like do some drawing but never for never for like a story type thing at least not since mm-hmm. i was probably a kid um mm-hmm. so i just like have this question of when you're writing a story like that if you are coming up with the story first or doing this sort of visual stuff but it sounds like you're kind of doing it all at the same time
2: Mm-hmm. I think it might depend on the story, like, a, yeah. the one that I'm working on right now is called The Illusion of Life, which I'm, I'm serializing on our Patreon. It's a story I wrote about 10 years ago. And it's, I didn't really write it in a script format, like a lot of comic books would be if they're trying to communicate, you know, an, a writer to an artist about page mm-hmm. one, five panels, panel one and a breakdown. Mm-hmm. So what I wrote was more of a straight ahead dialogue. And I'm figuring it out as I go. So Whereas I'm 32 pages into the script right now, that's about 83 pages of comic book art. I kind of spread that out too.
3: Yeah, I kind of did the Halls of the Turnip King that way as well. Like I wrote out uh, like chunks of uh, scenes and then what the dialogue might be in that scenes, but not broken down so rigidly as I would get on ponies or something professional. Cause like, it makes sense. You got to convey to an editor your idea or, or an artist or somebody else, but. Yeah, and because it was just for Turnip King, just so so kind of bare bones, basic, and it's kind, I kind of would joke it's not really a script; it's a roadmap, so I don't get lost, I don't lose my way, and go off the rails. But kind of keeps me in a direction while allowing it to be spontaneous at the same time. When I get to the page, if something feels right, add a scene or take away a scene, that sort of thing. Yeah,
2: you keep it really organic with that. Yeah, and it keeps yeah. it fun because then it's not just connecting the dots it's you're finding the story as you're going if you get a good idea or a scene that would be fun or funny or whatever then you get to insert that
3: yeah yeah whereas when i'm writing for a grad of course i'm i'm still trying to kind of figure out how to write in a more structured way (laughs) which which is interesting but um there's there's lots of notes and I find writing by hand, too, before ever touching a computer really helps because then you just get to feel the words. I know that sounds strange, but you feel the words as they go down and nothing's ever 100% erased. You might scratch something out, but you can always kind of see underneath. You don't lose things the same way. Yeah, notebooks and coffee
2: shops or stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's the best
3: quote I've ever heard. (laughs) 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 I still can't um, disconnect from the physical aspect of of writing and connecting to a piece of paper. So as much as I have digital aspects to my process, I do love that um, that pencil to page. Yeah,
2: we're we're definitely old school with the comic <laughs> stuff. We we've got paper and pens and inks and stuff, whereas a lot of people go straight digital now. So mm-hmm. I mean, the whole fun part for making the comic page for us is the is drawing it. You know, mm-hmm. like. Having that page at the end of the day that you can say, I I did this. I made something. Mm -hmm. I filled a blank page with lines, told a story. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Um, well, cause like, I just love, I'm already just in love with this conversation. Uh, <laughs> cause Jen, again, like, as we said, like, you know, we're both writers, but like Jen, who is a wonderful, spectacular writer and has a couple of manuscripts on the go, uh, and one that is close to being finished and it's going to be amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, and that's so. how we're all
0: going to get famous and she's going to release her book and it's going to be great. <laughs> um, but just as we've had this podcast now for three years, uh, and we've talked with different people and just ourselves even have explored different books like that's why we originally we started as a book club because we both kind of read different books so this way we were like introducing ourselves to different styles of writing and then with this we've like purposely like found different things and for myself for writing I'd always struggled like all these stories I would sit there and like it felt so like forced because I was trying to get them because you know they need to be like 300 pages or whatever mm-hmm. and then realizing that I can make them be whatever sort of little short stories or blurbs and clips that I could, you know, think about. But then I realized I had this one story. um, It's my convenience store vampire. Uh, That was (laughs) that was born born
1: in the HGO members lounge. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So while we were serving coffee to really angry old ladies, Um, (laughs) and I realized that like why I couldn't, like it felt so forced was because I was seeing it visually, and like Mm -hmm. I cannot draw. I have studied art my entire life. Like you know, all school, I was always taking art classes, you know, my second major in university was like art history, all the things, but like, I cannot draw to save my life. Um, but then speaking with uh, my friends, Lisa and Mike, whom you know, uh, mm-hmm. we kind of had that realization and like, Mike was like, well, like, I can draw stuff for you. Like if you can. So then now I have this like whole different outlook on the way to write things because I didn't know that I could write that way to then have someone like, draw it for me. Mm-hmm. Um so just the fact that like I just love how like you guys have been doing this for so long and just like the process and talking about it like it's just it's just all very exciting for me.
2: <laughs> I think having if you've got a visual brain that makes you a very good writer for comics because yes. a lot of people who can't think visually can can make certain mistakes like when I was working on the Rick and Morty book for example. Um the co-author for that was uh, was jim zub and patrick rothfuss patrick rothfuss hasn't written really for comics so much i don't think so he wrote a scene and i, I kind of knew jim didn't have last pass on this because <laughs> um he wrote one panel and he said they find a secret passage and they open the door and they go downstairs and i, was, I was thinking that's three drawings that's not one drawing and he's already got nine panels written down the page, there's no room for this. So I had to kind of get really creative and how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can kind of think visually and think, okay, that's three different actions that can't happen all in one panel, um, you know, having having a visual sense can kind of help you write for someone who's going to draw that stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, it's definitely um, a different way of thinking. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, it's just kind of that, like, realization of, like, oh, wait, I'm not thinking wrong. I'm just thinking differently.
2: That's yeah. right. Yeah. No. Now, thinking visually is is, a, is an awesome asset when you're a comic book writer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Mike and I are excited because, like, he's obviously, like, working on some of his own stuff, um, which I'm helping with, like, editing and stuff just because I come from more of, like, you know, the formal, like, school background and stuff like that. So I think it's just going to be really super fun and awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good collaboration is, just works that way too, where you know each each person is kind of elevating the other person's skills, and so where
3: mm-hmm.
2: a lot of people might be like, I lean on the drawing side of things, but I can't, I don't have the writing, you know, chops. They need writers, and so they can they can just you can get really good combinations of people sometimes mm-hmm. who just really bring something cool together. That yeah. William Burroughs kind of Brian Geisen's third mind idea creation. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a bit too weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like William Burroughs I was big fans I <laughs>
0: um, love that yeah. um, so one of our favorite things to talk about when we are talking with uh, different authors and writers and whatnot is writing routine this is (laughs) uh the bane of our existence we are trying uh do you have any kind of writing routine or process you know that you do every day or just when you're i know we've kind of like talked about it but just if you were like gonna be like okay this is my writing routine what do either of you kind of do
3: Yeah, I'm still developing it. I feel like I'm mm-hmm. kind of all over the map with how I would develop a story. <laughs> so, yeah, co- just hanging out at coffee shops and, you know, if you can block out all the noise around you with some good chill tunes, like just music, no words or anything. Um, yeah, and a notebook. Just, yeah, I'm connecting to the paper
2: really helps. and
3: yeah, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer. I'm
2: figuring it out, I get my ideas in the shower. Yeah, <laughs> the classic. It's just like oh, I've seen, every good idea I ever had or breakthrough I had is just sitting in the shower, <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't, nothing's demanded of me right now, so my brain can kind of get creative. Uh-huh. Yeah. But usually it is like this morning. I was out at the coffee shop. Just I'm trying to work on an idea that I'm developing for a story. I won't probably get to draw for another three years. Um, just to kind of keep that part of my brain active. Once you've got your script written, I guess the problem with comic books is it takes a lot longer to draw a comic than it does to write one. (laughs) So (laughs) if you could write an issue in a weekend, it's going to take you a month or more to draw and color it. So mostly our routine is like the drawing part as opposed to the writing Mm -hmm. part.
3: Yes. One of the things that's tricky about the writing part too, I'm finding because I've just done a lot of drawing with the ponies and stuff and it was just years of just drawing and not writing comics is that I kind of learned how to like make myself draw even though I wasn't in the mood for it but writing is really really hard to really sit yourself down and force yourself because then you start hitting these mental blocks that you're almost working your brain too hard and that's where the shower comes in handy because it relaxes you (laughs) and then the ideas start naturally coming because it's I don't know I find if you try to force it it's really hard. I'm like, oh, I do this with the drawing all the time. I just sit down, and I go through the motions and do it. But how come this writing thing isn't doing the same thing? It just like <laughs> locks me up. So yeah, that's that's a weird thing. I have to figure that one out. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just the harder you try, the more you lock up.
2: So one of our kids, hmm. one of our teenagers that said to us one day is like trust the process and like how are you spouting wisdom <laughs> you <know?"
3: laughs> yeah.
2: where did you hear that some some meme <laughs> yeah yeah that was yeah.
3: funny i
1: was like i need to
3: apply that to everything <laughs> just trust the process and i, I think
1: so, sometimes with writing too is you forget that part of the process of writing is not actually physically writing it's yeah. like there's a lot of thinking involved mm-hmm. and like sometimes the times where you are just like in the shower or doing something else is still part of that process of thinking through the story, even if it's like subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, yeah, I feel like drawing obviously is going to be a lot more physical and you can see more of like a result from it. You're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I sat down and I drew and here's, like you said, you filled a page. I did something. Mm -hmm. Whereas writing sometimes like that thinking part is as important, but you have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Maybe like a little bit later once you get it all down
3: yeah like you're just sitting in a comfy chair with a nice hot coffee and it yes. looks like you're not doing anything yes exactly <laughs> it's like i'm doing so I'm much totally guys. working right now yeah. <laughs> <I don't laughs> like, <trust laughs> me, yeah
1: yeah just staring out a window for like an hour <laughs> yeah
3: watching the leaves fall outside yeah i like oh, oh i see i can see
2: <laughs> sometimes it helps like getting to, to be, being able to draw you can we can just sit down and doodle or sketch something and that could actually spark some ideas sometimes mm-hmm. or as, as just a creative writing a creative drawing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely known a lot of people who've just drawn a character and then they built a story around it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and other people like come up with an idea and then they fit characters into it. So everybody has their own kind of method, I guess, for for finding where their stories come from.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Um. Yeah, what else do we want to talk about, guys? Uh, I, will, I definitely want to ask uh, Troy about Angora napkin.
2: Wow, you're the first. No, <laughs> <laughs> thanks.
0: Um, I've been reading The Golden MacGuffin this week uh, while I was working. I wasn't, whatever. We'll just say that I was actually working and getting paid for it, um, <laughs> getting paid to do my real job. But really, I was reading your book. Um, <laughs> So where did and I'll see like I know like there's a few, um, it's a bit of a series like where did can you just tell us about this like what, what is in Goran <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay, so my first book was called Chiaroscuro and you know nothing like starting out with a big heavy epic, you know, pretentious <laughs> book like that. So I I was doing this heavy cross-hatched illustrated David Lynchy type thing. It was way beyond my abilities probably and uh i got one book done and i like i need to take a break and i need to draw something fun and silly and stupid and at the time um back in like 1997 <laughs> me and uh my buddy nick cross we just started working in animation in ottawa and we were kind of developing this idea for an animated series called we called it Ingornak, napkin it was kind of based on things we liked at the time we shonen knife and cub these little punk girl bands from from that era cuddle core and we just based kind of some cartoon characters on that probably about six months before the powerpuff girls came in on tv so um when they came out nick kind of got his wind taken out of him, i think because he thought ah they're doing a lot of the cool stuff we wanted to do yeah. just differently and but we'd written so many scripts and we developed it so far. I was just like, I really like these characters. I like these stories we've came up with. And as I asked Nick, I said, do you mind if I take them and, and, you know, make a book out of it and just, you know, give it some life, right? And he's like, ah, go for it. So I made Angor Napkin, um first graphic novel. And I, I pitched that to IDW and they ended up publishing it and it got nominated for an Eisner award, which is like our comic book Oscars.
1: Yes. In in, but uh,
2: still it gave <laughs> me a little bit of, um, Hey, maybe, I'm maybe this is something, maybe this will be something. And the next thing that happened was I started working on the second book called Harvest of Revenge. And Teletoon opened up this cross Canada late night animated programming um, thing and we pitched Angora Napkin and it got selected as one of the ten cartoons that they were going to take uh, to animated pilots. So we got funded to make a short using, you know, cutting edge Flash animation at the time. And uh, about eight of us scattered across Canada put together a 22 minute episode that we made. It's on YouTube if you're all curious and checking it out. Oh, definitely. And uh, it w- it was fun because like some of the the music that we put in there uh were the bands that inspired us cub we got licensed to use cub music as oh, angora good. napkins band music and lisa marr from cub wrote our theme song and stuff like that so it was really cool to kind of like have to give it some audio and some movement and kind of take it back to where it was originated as a as an idea for an animated series and then that book i finished harvester Revenge, also got nominated for nicer an and didn't win <laughs> and uh <laughs> I had to, so I so like, well, two books in, two Wiser nominations, an animated pilot, that's pretty good, um, but nobody, it's like Canada's best kept secret, you know, nobody <laughs> knows about it, and I started working on it as a web serial, I thought, well, web comics now, kids like web comics, and uh, <laughs> that's where the Golden MacGuffin started, and that became the, the background project once I launched into, you know, licensed uh, comics and stuff, which started taking up a lot of my time, and and it just became something I puttered away at for a lot of years. So finally, the Golden MacGuffin saw the light of day um, through our Pegamoose Press there last year, was it? It came out Ooh. in I, I 2020. I don't even know what year this is anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, I feel
3: like yeah, it might have come out in 2020. Yeah. We didn't get a book out this year.
2: No, not this year. Mm-hmm. We meant to. But um, but that was kind of like, I guess, my swan song for Angora Napkin. I, I'd given it my best shot, and I thought, well... You know it was fun it, it was just very much inspired by looney tunes cartoons from when i was a kid it's completely irreverent and just manic stupidity like <laughs> if it's gotten any criticism it's that you know it's just makes no sense but, you know, so it's either you're, you're along for the ride or you're not
0: <laughs> well yeah because it takes like you know what is it the like <laughs> these like pop icons open up an existential detective agency
2: Sure, why not?
0: <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, well, the idea was anything goes with, with Angora Napkin. It was kind of when me and Nick came up with the idea. It was just like, well, we can make these characters do whatever we want. The same way, like, while, like, you know, coyote can fall off a cliff and have a safe drop on him. And he's fine the next scene, you know? Well- <laughs> Those are detectives now.
0: That's such a great, like, comparison. Because, yeah, as you're going, you know, they, all of a sudden they're in the, the van and having a threesome but then there's a sloth all of a sudden and then like at some point there's a minotaur and like things are happening and you're just like wait what
2: <laughs> yeah it was, it's absolutely meant to be like kind of Monty Python irreverent absurdity that I find funny and you know maybe two other people so I wish more people find it funny <laughs> but thanks for, for reading it
0: <laughs> uh, I have that and then uh, Mike also sent me the the like collected edition, so I'm excited to dive into that as well. Oh, cool! Yes. <laughs> um, what another questions we always love to ask? What are you two reading right now? Yes. Oh, uh, and this well, could be I, illustrated, not illustrated, just any kind of reading in general.
3: Hmm. Yeah, these days, if I if I consume a novel, it's through audiobook. Nice. <laughs> so Reading uh, is reading. Yes. And um, anything physical is usually a graphic novel because I unfortunately don't have a lot of time to sit with a book. Like I love getting lost in a book when I make the time for it. But unfortunately, once I start a novel, I've got to know what happens. So I'm like, the audio book is perfect. (laughs) Keeping the graphic novels like the physical books, it seems to work for me. Um, Yeah, what have I? I read Little Fires Everywhere, which I quite enjoyed. I forget the author. I'm terrible.
1: Um, Celeste Ing. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That one was really good and enjoyed that. My graphic novel I read recently that I really liked was The Case of the Missing Men. It's, oh, I forget their names too. <laughs> but
2: uh, Conundrum Press and Conundrum Nova Press, Nova Scotia publishes uh,
3: it. Yeah, and it was really good. It was like Nancy Drew meets David Lynch in this weird little small town in Nova oh. Scotia. It's this bizarre mystery happening there
2: that's really good yeah, yeah yeah I really enjoyed
3: it it was super fun super super well done like I just love the style of it like the, the illustrations were kind of like really scratchy looking and they looked I don't know it just gave it this real great vibe yeah, yeah. It's, it's
2: like, not polished and, but it had the it just looked like it fit this tone yeah, of the story.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was that weird thing where you can kind of have these illustrations that are a bit rough around the edges, but it makes it just that much better for it. It was just so beautifully drawn and the story was so engaging. You're just like you just keep wanting to read it. Know what happens next? That I want to so- I want to know what this mystery is and but yeah, a lot of like weird things happening in that book that I'm like, "Oh, what's what's going on?" <laughs> Super fun. That was good. Yeah, I
2: liked That's it. Awesome. I've opted to well, when we're sitting around drawing so much, we need things mm-hmm. to listen to. So audiobooks have been good for that. And I, mm-hmm. I decided what better time to listen to the uncut version of the stand. Nice. So 47 <laughs> hours of Stephen King's <laughs> chronic plague massacre. <laughs> uh, and I'm, and I'm reading another book that my kids recommended called six of crows. That was, uh, oh, I
1: love that one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm about, three quarters of the way into it now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kids loved it and they just wouldn't stop raving about. It. So you gotta read it, Dav, you gotta read it. And what party you're at and what are your favorite characters?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's been a lot of fun, just this, you know, I wanna say Avatar, last airbender inspired heist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> novel. But yeah, it's it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It moves a better clip than a few of the books I've been reading lately, so I was happy about that. I'd finished The um, Book of Dust by Philip Pullman, and I found it such a drag and a disappointment after reading the Dark Materials. So... (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, if I read another... The
1: materials is so good, and I just wanted so much more from the Book of Dust. But... That's
2: no way to make a comeback, is it, right? I oh, was <laughs> yeah. Philip, but, yeah, you know, dude, it's you such a high mark, and then it spent most of the time floating in a boat and being cold and wet. That's just yeah. 300 pages of that.
1: Yeah, the second <laughs> one kind of drags, too. It's, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I've been reticent to pick it up now, just because kids said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it's... Lyra's really cranky, and uh, I'm curious to still know what happens. Mm-hmm. That's just my... I mean, yeah,
1: trip. it's like, I'm, I'll read the third one at this point because I just, I'm curious, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, whenever that comes out.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe you just need a, you know, a nice chalet <laughs> to retire in or something. <laughs> 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 anyway, it's just, unfortunately, that's a bit of a disappointment.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. <laughs> Um, we also like to ask if you have any like books or in this case, comics, graphic novels that you wish more people knew about. I'm sure you have tons. Oh
3: my
2: God.
1: Uh, but if there yeah,
2: was where do we start? The hard <laughs> part. We've got most of our house seems to be graphic novels, like a library of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where do you start? There's so much good stuff.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I mean, I always go to blankets for Craig Thompson. I love that book so much. And if, if you haven't read it, Everyone should read Blankets. It's so good.
3: Yeah. yeah. Persepolis is a good one yes. um, mm-hmm. as well. Oh, yeah, by, um, Marjane down. Satrapi, I think is how you say her name. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's kind of like her telling her life, growing up Iranian and stuff, and then moving to different countries around Europe and just kind of growing into herself as a woman in that situation and kind of living in it, living outside of it. and it's just so much it's just beautiful it's fun it's sad it's heartwarming like it's everything so she's got a good sense of humor so you're not just like sad the whole time you're also <laughs> laughing with her and like really experiencing her life alongside her through it i really like that one
2: yeah yeah definitely mm-hmm. god i want to watch the movie now too so yeah they, they made a good film they out.
3: did an animated film and i think it was up against one of the pixar movies and one of the like years and years ago when it came out, and of course, lost because nobody knew of it. And Pixar, everybody knows Pixar, so of course, no it fair. took
2: the prize. I'm like, no,
3: Persepolis. I'm sorry,
2: Wolf Walkers was a better movie than Soul, and everyone should watch Wolf Walkers instead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but,
2: yeah, Wolf Walkers is awesome. No, I want to watch awesome. it again, actually. It's so beautiful.
3: <laughs> yeah, what other graphic novels, though? Um, yeah, where do you, where do you start?
2: I don't know. We just got Tukey, which I'm half yeah. started that, which is Jeff Smith, who wrote Bone, the Bone mm-hmm. series, which okay. most people okay. probably know. So he's getting back into self-publishing some of his own work, which is kind of cool, and he, mm-hmm. he ran his very first Kickstarter for that. Of course, it's successful. <laughs> so it's neat to kind of see what, what uh, you can find with the crowdfunding books now because a lot of people are just kind of going around the mainstream publishers and finding – oh, geez, I can do that as well or better. Um, and you have to kind of seek it out now. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of these books won't show up in bookstores. Mm-hmm. So we're finding stuff from all over the world now. And I got this trilogy from Norway that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I was looking at the other day, and I'm like, oh, my god, this Scandinavian book, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it discouraged somewhere. us. Yeah, I mean, that's our problem too, I guess, when your small press publisher is... Uh, how do you get these books into people's hands? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got a website that people can order from, but walking into a bookstore and finding our stuff, you know, not so much. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, do I you don't... have any recommendations for like, cause you were saying of all these other ones you've found, where do you find them? Do you just sort of through people you know, or is there anywhere online or somewhere that people could look for some of these more independently published, self-published works?
3: Yeah, you can look around
1: Kickstarter. Sometimes right. we'll find something that stands out. And, yeah.
3: Or you just have a lucky find at the bookstore, or the comic book shop. and Or, yeah, sometimes, too, people will just keep talking. Like I kept seeing the case of the missing men everywhere, mm-hmm. this, of course, being maritime, and this, this is a maritime book, so you get a lot of people, a lot of buzz around it because of the location. Right. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is a really good one. And two, like if you go to comic cons and you kind of snoop, you're like, "Oh, who are the other comic guests? What do they have?" And <laughs> you kind of you kind of uh, make your shopping list <laughs> where you go to the comic con. Oh, yeah. It's like I'll make right. my money at my table so I can spend it at theirs.
2: <laughs> big time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> m- money just circulates in, in yeah.
3: comic conventions. We're <laughs> always happy. Even- we're always happy, not when we sell our stock of books at a Comic-Con, but also when we bring a lot home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like other people's stuff. It's ex- cultural exchange.
2: <laughs> like, uh, the Toronto Comic Art Festival mm-hmm. is a phenomenal place to yeah. find really diverse, you know, yes. from, from precious little indie zines to, like, some really well-produced independent publishing and such, mm-hmm. um, and just a huge spectrum of, of narratives visually and, and stories, you know, from, from personal to fantastical, so yeah um, really looking forward to getting back to tcaf hopefully next year
3: mm-hmm. if fingers if crossed
2: people are allowed to go places
3: mm-hmm. oh, let's but, hope
2: yeah so conventions are a really great way you never know who you're going to kind of stumble across and then we've had like some really wonderful experiences tabling at a at show when people will walk up and you get a, a conversation with someone and they get to flip through your artwork and flip through your books and you get to talk and tell stories and and I've had people come back and say, like, of everything here, and, I mean, there's a lot going on at one of these mm. things. Or like, you were one of my favorite tables to, to come and talk to and, you know, really looking forward to reading your books and stuff. And it's just gratifying to have that kind of real mm. one-on-one connection. Like, nothing mm. beats that. So yeah. two years without it has been a bit much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I say from my apartment that I've been alone in for 18 months, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> boy. yeah.
0: Um, all right. I have thought of one last random question mm-hmm. um, for both of you. If one of the like absolute like classic graphic novels, those ones that like almost everybody knows, is there one that like, if you wish that like, you had written that one that you're just like oh man you know i wish watchman was mine or like something something <laughs> like that like one that you're just like oh that's the one.
3: Oh boy <laughs> i'm not sure
2: it's like it's just because like <laughs> craig thompson's work is beautiful and that book is really good but yeah i don't know um hmm. there's a lot of people's work i admire but nobody's work i Wish, I mean, I guess I wish I could draw like Bernie Wrights and then he did his Frankenstein adaptation because <laughs> his pen and ink work in that is just some of the best work I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> Love it.
2: Yeah. No, I like doing my own stories a lot of people ask you know if you could draw any comic you wanted it'd be like well I'd want to draw my own and yeah, well, yeah I'd want people to read that book you know? <laughs>
0: there's,
3: there's certain times you come across a book and you're you're like oh I wish I could think like that like yeah. kind of think outside my box and be yeah. a bit more um, more out there with my stuff or just kind of just you know you envy how people think I find I get yeah. like that more than anything I'm like I envy that you can take this thing and make it really abstract or you can take something and just like play with visual ideas and work that into your narrative in a way that I would have never thought of. I'm like, how are you guys so smart? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I think like you? Like how do, how do I like expand my brain to think like that and be a bit smarter with my own approach to the medium? I feel like that's kind of what I how I feel when I see those things like I get inspired and I'm also like how do you think like that like it blows my mind I'm so used to how I think like how do you think like that (laughs) so (laughs) it just I don't know it just gets me excited Mm. maybe a little bit sad depending (laughs)
2: depending on the day depending on the day (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) how much coffee you've had
3: yeah how how hungry I am
2: But. It, it's, it is it's problematic when you're on Instagram mm. and everybody is mm. so good. And you're yeah, like, how yeah. are you only 22? <laughs>
3: oh, <you."> I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Not fair. Yeah. <laughs> or you just think in such a way, like, how how do you think? Like, I don't know. Am I am I more rigid than I realize? Or maybe I'm doing cool stuff, but I don't even know. And It's just, I don't know. I don't know
2: comparison yeah. is the death of joy right i know i just can't,
3: can't help but wonder <laughs>
0: why do you do that it's so cool
2: yeah i try to be inspired more than you are you know, i want to make something cool too is how i usually come out of something like that if i've seen a good movie or read a good book i'm like i want to go make cool stuff now
3: yeah yeah
2: so I that's know. the best takeaway i hope you're <laughs> yeah, to really.
3: no, that's, a, that's great
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, and yeah. like, let's all
3: make good things guys
2: <laughs>
0: definitely why we, you know, started all of this was just to kind of keep ourselves going and get inspired. And I think that's really been so much of, like, our podcast and just with our blog and, like, trying to inspire ourselves through everything else. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, and looking exciting. at something
1: and being like, oh, I can make cool stuff, too. So, mm. that's great. <laughs> yep, definitely.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we all kind of, like, I think creatives just feed off other creatives. Mm-hmm. and stuff, So, listening to podcasts or you're listening to other creative people kind of sharing their experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm making something, listening to people who make stuff. It's, this kind of feeds the creative world, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, This has been an absolute delight. Absolute delight. (laughs) Um, Where can everyone find you if they want to connect with you, your books, all that stuff, where can we send them? We've
3: got our homepage, com. So that's kind of, if you want to find both of us at once, that's your best bet.
2: Yeah, it's got, it's got a, our shop there. It's got mm-hmm. all of our books on it, from our licensed stuff to our independent books as well are all on there.
3: Yeah. And I've also got my own personal website called brendahickeycomics.com. And I'm most active on Instagram under Brenda E. Hickey. <laughs> so.
2: And I'm on Instagram under NGora Napkin.
3: Mm-hmm amazing yeah amazing to talk to you guys it's been so lovely
2: yeah thanks it's actually been a lot of fun yes so much
3: fun (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) well thanks so much everyone for listening and as always we'll be back in two weeks and we'll see you then Bye. bye